Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, welcome to another week of G-Thanks Just Bought It, the podcast where we talk about what we just bought and what you might need to buy next. Today I am joined by Laura Wittig. She is the CEO and founder of Brightly, which is essentially like a wire cutter, but for ethical and sustainable products, um, which is something that I think we've been trying to do a lot more of, or at least I guess, purport to do a lot more of on G Things Just Bought It, but I wanted to talk to the expert. So Laura, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Caroline. I, um, you know, this is such a great time to get to get chatting about all of these things. But yeah, thrilled to be here. I'm so happy to have you here because th- honestly, like I love a good ethical, sustainable product, but it is totally a blind spot for me because I like you noticed when you created your company, I just kind of don't know where to start. Um, so how did how did Brightly kind of come about? Yeah, so, you know, one of the reasons we started Brightly was for exactly for what you just said. I feel like so many people want to do right for the planet. They want to do things like shopping, uh, you know, shopping for that for their values, um, but it's really hard to get started. So what we wanted to do with Brightly was to take a look at all of the brands and products in the ecosystem and apply our sort of vetting process to them, which involves making sure that the product is made with fair trade practices. So it might not be capital fair trade with the exact certification because that can be kind of difficult for small brands to get. Um, But we want to make sure that, you know, everyone is being paid responsibly, et cetera. We also look at materials. So we we definitely prioritize products that are made with materials that are kind to the environment. Uh, And that there's like such a gray gray area in all of these things. So my team and I kind of go through, um, you know, all these brands, all these products almost on a daily basis. Um, The other thing that's interesting, too, is my co-founder, Lisa. She and I found that we were kind of like already doing this ourselves in our lives. Like we would get our favorite products. Like um, I actually used to work at Amazon back in the day and I used to like curate products for friends too. Sometimes they were eco-friendly and sometimes they weren't, mm-hmm. but I've always had this love for, you know, a similar line of work that you and I are both in, which is like making sure that people have really awesome recommendations when they go out to shop because I feel like otherwise people just end up with like mediocre stuff crap. <laughs> that they don't really love, right? Yeah, crap. There we go. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's that, that I I knew we would have a lot to talk about because there are um, the passion that I have for recommending stuff to people, obviously, because this podcast exists and your company <laughs> exists. Like, you know, it's so much fun to find that in in somebody else. But yeah, you're right. Like when you when you go out to buy something and and right now, obviously, like, you know, this summer has been a huge sort of turning point in being a little bit more active in the way that we partake in in capitalism um and and this idea of of 
being solely responsible and not relying on companies to be transparent about their practices and understand that there are going to be products that you love that um, if you turn a blind eye, you know, you you could be ignoring some like really, really big issues. Um, Exactly. Literally, even before we just started talking, I was scrolling Instagram, doom scrolling Instagram. Yeah. Because nothing is good. And um, someone was sharing and I don't want to name a brand because I can't remember the brand that it was, but I saved it to go back to it. And it was basically like different beauty brands that rely on prison labor um, for production. And it's like if we're going to have this whole conversation about, you know, police abolition and Black Lives Matter, um, it has it's going to reach every sort of corner of how we live. Um, exactly. And you exactly. are you're already ahead of the game because I think you realized <laughs> this a lot earlier than most people. Um, what is the the vetting like? Do you like do you call the company and you say, like, I want to recommend like, do you buy the product? Like, tell me tell me how you do your job. I, I have to know. For sure. And um, before I get into that, one random fact about the beauty industry that I just realized, which kind of blew my mind, is actually a lot of products, specifically eyeshadows, are made with um, a mineral called mica. um, And that appears in sort of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And oftentimes mica is mined with child labor across the world. So like there's just like so many things, especially in beauty. But all sorts of vectors. Um, and, you know, when, when it comes to making that purchasing decision, we like to say, like, what is the main value that you're trying to solve for? But we, we can get into that a little bit more later. But yeah, I mean, I think when we when we we talk about like the actual vetting process. So like one is, you know, myself or my team wants to see the product in hand. Um, you know, sometimes if a product is seasonal, you might see a product on site that we you know, rarely haven't seen in person, but we've recommended a previous product from that brand. So we like to make sure that there's quality all around. Um, yeah. And then we, we, yeah, we, we ask if the brand has certifications, we ask to see those. Um, if we're on the site and we're kind of looking at their about, about us section and stuff seems vague, we reach out. I mean, it, it definitely is a conversation uh, because I think greenwashing is something that is very rampant right now. I think yeah. a lot of brands have seen that, you know, this conscious consumerism movement um, that we like to call it, it, it's definitely rising and people are becoming more and more aware of the power that their dollars have. And yes. so the big brands are like, cool, like women be shopping sustainably now, like let's get in on it. <laughs> um, and oftentimes it, it is greenwashing. Um but yeah, it's 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 that can be super problematic. It's interesting because um you know, there it's 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 a hard there's a lot of gray area to a lot yes. of it, you know, and and um similar to sort of like how we talk about like a lot of it's rooted in race and it's also rooted in class. Um and a lot of, you know, the ways that we talk about healthy food at, versus fast food, um, you know, you're remiss. You can't talk about that kind of stuff without talking about, OK, price and accessibility and, you know, convenience. And for some people, you know, the the inexpensive, um, more convenient, more readily available product is sort of in like the only thing that they can they can afford to you know, partake yeah. in or purchase, which I also think is, and then like, that's a whole other problem we have to solve. So it's, it, it, it's hard to say like, oh, like everyone should just like wipe, um, you know, all of their shopping routines clean and only buy X, Y, and Z 
but without addressing money and race and class. And I think a lot of this sort of new mainstream conversation of anti-racism um, will extend to the way that we spend our money. Um, Absolutely. And not we just like litter. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, I was going to say like, just not just like how we, who we donate it to and, and you know, what le- like literal organizations we support, but what companies were, we're putting our, our money into. Absolutely. And I I love that you brought up this point because we literally, um, Brightly also puts out a podcast. It's called Good Together. um, And we literally just put an episode out this morning about exactly what we were talking about, which is making sustainability affordable and accessible for everyone. Um, And I do think there's a huge myth out there, which is, you know, in order to live a more eco-friendly lifestyle, you have to like, A, go through and throw everything out. Like, that's not that. And number one, like, please don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Please use up everything that you have. Right. Worst. Don't put it in the trash. That's yes, also bad. Please don't put it in the trash. Um, and number two, like there's so many interesting, like sort of like thrifty tips that probably your grandmother was doing um, that are inherently more eco-friendly and sustainable just because she didn't live in a culture of like single use plastic and yep. like throwaway products. Yep. And so, you know, there's a lot of those types of behaviors that we can bring into our daily lives and like simply just being more mindful about what we purchase. Like one of the reasons I'm a huge fan of your podcast is the the, the thought around recommendations is so key, I think, for purchasing because, you know, you want to make sure that the product is made well and that it, you know, solves all of your problems. But if you haven't seen it in your hands yourself, it can be really hard to do that. So right. another way to kind of check that box boxes to, yeah, go find a trusted resource. And so, yeah, I mean, I think in general, um, there's so many different ways that people can get involved. And to your earlier point, like, yes, there's a huge gray area. And one of the things we always like to say at Brightly is like, there's a huge, we're on this journey together. Mm -hmm. Um, And just because, you know, we could find you the the quote unquote most eco-friendly product ever, and it might cost like a thousand bucks. Like, we're probably not going to recommend that because we know it's out of reach for most of our our community and our following. So what's more realistic is meeting people in the middle, talking about all these vectors, and then not leaving people out of the conversation because they might not be, you know, able to afford these super expensive things. And, And the last thing I'll say about that is like, you know, we've actually seen some really fun growth and exciting growth on TikTok. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, yeah. And we've been putting out some really interesting, like, educational content um, about, like, what different materials are and, like, you know, how you can shop sustainably when you go to places like Target or Walmart. And a lot of people were like, why are you recommending going to Walmart? And we were like, look, like, most people in the United States have access to a Walmart and that might be the only store that they have access to. And, you know, for us to say, don't ever go to Walmart or don't shop on Amazon, which every single person does. Not realistic at all. So what you can do as a consumer is choose to do things like buy some coffee that is, you know, carrying a fair trade label or do something like that when you're at one of those big box stores, because then those big big box stores are going to see that and say, wow, like here's a trend, right? They're just going to be looking at the inventory going away. So they're like, here's a trend. Let's buy more of that, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. You are, there is a middleman, um, in the, in the supply chain, uh, that you can actually feel like you have some, 
control over or influence over. Um, yeah. You know, if if everyone starts going to Walmart or starts ordering, right, sustain, I mean, sorry, fair trade coffee, um, you know, and that and right. And that becomes a thing that everyone just starts doing. Meanwhile, all of the non-certified coffee isn't selling, you know, that right. That changes the way that huge big box companies spend their money. Um, and it is a complicated you're right. It's not as easy as just saying like, well, I don't shop at Walmart. Um, there's there's not many people in this world who have the liberty to say I can cut massive affordable retailers out of my life for the sake of, quote unquote, you know, being a better person. Um, exactly. And that's I think also like I was saying before about food, you know, you think of Whole Foods and how expensive Whole Foods is. And then you read articles about how like I saw something a few days ago and just I'm not sure when we're going to air this but know that you know this is mid-June that Laura and I are talking but I saw something a few days ago that was like how during quarantine you know junk food um prices is going up and then but like the analysis was so incorrect the analysis was like everyone's getting lazy and like everyone's just eating junk food at home it's like no people have lost their jobs and food is expensive and box mac and cheese is 79 cents. This exactly. Isn't, this isn't about, you know, oh, I'm sitting at home watching Gossip Girl eating mac and cheese, even though that's what I'm doing. But like it is. We're now in a position where people can't go to Whole Foods and spend three hundred and sixty dollars to feed their family of five. And to, it's irresponsible to just take you know, something at face value and say, here's the reason why it's happening. All of these things are are totally interconnected. Absolutely. And that assumes that people even have access to this fresh food. You know, there's, we haven't talked about, yeah, food deserts, like there's all sorts of things at work here in this country and really around the world that prevent people from having access to the products that they really, you know, should have access to in an affordable way. So yeah, I I totally agree with you. And I, I don't really understand why certain narratives are brought forward like that, because it can just be so damaging to like, everyone's psychology right like we, yes. we're like oh we're all fat and lazy now like no maybe we're just like trying to process yeah. what's going on in the world because 2020 has been like a real part in the French shitty year it's been <laughs> shitty yeah everyone we, so we I are mean, having yeah. like a huge reckoning right now and I can actually answer the question as to why these stories are framed like this as someone who used to work in a newsroom for many years it is because like connected to another problem there's a huge lack of diversity in newsrooms where, you know, you have newsrooms filled with um, college educated, you know, privileged white uh, reporters or editors, um, the majority of them anyway. And you you don't even have someone in a newsroom who can say, oh, actually, when I was young, you know, my family relied on EBT or on WIC, on food stamps. Um, and I can tell you that Whenever there was like an economic dip and, you know, jobs were hard to find, like my mom started buying X, Y, and Z. Like there is nobody in the room to provide any sort of context. So people just sort of write what they know, which is like, oh, I'm like stressed out during quarantine and I'm buying a lot of chips. And I guess and and that's just what everyone's doing. And so like the web that is woven in um 
in the way that we talk about these things and then and also in the way that we like uh sort of add them to our lives is so much work to unravel um yeah and shopping is, is such a big one yeah, it, it really is. And I think, you know, on, on that subject as well, like we at Brightly um, started to think through, you know, why, you know, what are the the objects and, and the, the issues that we're leaving out of our, you know, reporting when mm-hmm. we think about sustainability. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're actively looking into things like intersectional environmentalism and why um, people of color have been left out of things like going to national parks and being involved in those types of initiatives. Like there's so many really interesting things to unpack about like the intersection between environmentalism and race. Um, and it's something that we're actively researching and like trying to do better from our perspective as well. But yeah, I mean, I think when we come back to like trying to kind of tie it all back into shopping, I do think that, you know, again, voting with your dollars is such a huge way to have an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if like I, I was hearing from a lot of friends that, you know, they wanted to go out and protest and be more involved and more, um, you know, advocacy focused right now. But they were also, you know, living with somebody who, um, you know, w- was at a higher risk of COVID, sure. you know, and so they're they're trying to find these things to do digitally. And of course, like we can call our representatives and email and like do that front. But we can also think about like, yeah, doing a bit more research to uncover, um, you know, more black owned businesses that are sustainable or, yeah. you know, spreading the word about, um, you know, products that are, you know, going to meet your, those values that you have. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I think there's a lot of skeptics out there that say, okay, like just doing this isn't enough. Like, you know, that's cute that you think you can make a difference. And my response to that is like everything, every little bit of change does start small at first. Yeah. you need a movement to kind of come up around it. So Absolutely. that's a movement we're trying to spearhead at Brightly um, in terms of conscious consumerism. I really love that. And also, yeah, it starts at home. I mean, Amazon, like, it's funny because it's like, well, Amazon's huge and everyone yeah. shops at Amazon. It's like, where did that start? It started because you started buying things on Amazon. And once exactly. everyone starts buying things on Amazon, everyone's buying things on Amazon. It's funny that people can't see that that it works <laughs> inversely as well. So Brightly has everything kind of categorized by things that are organic and um things that are American made and things that are eco-friendly and you have these little cute little badges and icons for each of these things, businesses that empower women, um, pet rescue. Like this is so wonderful. And I see right at the top, the featured brand is Nisolo, which I get Instagram ads for all the time. (laughs) And (laughs) my shoes all think I'm dead now. Um, because I haven't <laughs> left my house in so long. But Same. Same. <laughs> I mean, the only what things I'm wearing are like slip on vans, but I haven't worn like an actual fancy shoe in, in a very long time. But I love Nisolo shoes. Oh, um, same. I have like, I think I have four pair of Nisolo. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm totally all in with them because you, they, yeah. they're awesome. <laughs> if you guys like Madewell shoes, you will like Nisolo shoes. I mean, there's really, it's like kind of all the same. It's like that leather, the kind of neutral muted colors um and they're made ethically and they're made and right and this is the made ethically so these are kind of the little switches that you can make I love now I'm just looking at the Nisolo website being like I want these (laughs) I need to buy these we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back okay we're back Laura so when did Brightly start 
So um, Brightly started, you know, as an idea that I had when I was working part time. Um, I'm based in Silicon Valley. I've been a product manager for places like Adobe, Sephora, back in the day, Amazon. So I know all the Amazon tips and tricks. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, as a consumer, I found myself really wanting a place like Brightly and I wanted it to be a really interesting mix of product recommendations, brand recommendations, and then content. Um, I feel like a lot of folks try and go start these businesses that are marketplaces. And, you know, at first I thought, well, maybe I should do a marketplace because I knew it from Amazon perspective. But I also knew from a business perspective that like starting a marketplace requires a ton of capital. Um, You cannot just do that on your side. Um, Mm -hmm. The reason for that is because, you know, you get pretty small cut of each sale in order to make that scale. It's just like not really possible to do on your own dime. I know it well. Um, (laughs) There you go, right? (laughs) That's why this is not a full-time job. I just really like (laughs) recommending things. But yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it is so much money to, um, move around in this space at all. So yeah, you do have to think of other things that you can bring to the table uh, in order to sort of monetize it as a business. So what, so you went with content. So we went with content um, and we also, we went with content, but we went with a community first lens because we've always had this vision for Brightly to be really community first and just showing up and providing as much value as we possibly can. And we're actually about to launch a membership program, which I'm super excited about. Like probably by the time this airs, it'll be out. So we're like, oh, that's so exciting. When is that? When is that dropping? Um, I think as soon as next week. Oh, that's Um, so cool. We're kind of doing some testing. Thank you. Um, But it's going to do, it's going to combine a lot of really interesting things. And um, eventually we're going to have an app that makes all of this information more accessible to our members. Um, So yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, it can just be so difficult to wade through all of the certifications, um, you know, all of the things that there that exist out there when you go to make that purchase. And so yeah, our job here is to like simplify it for people. And it's also like meet people in the middle and realize like, you know, we don't do this from a judgment perspective, like we, we would much rather have billions of people trying to like imperfectly be zero waste than like a few hundred people that are like the most badass zero waste people ever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what I was just going to say? Like, it's funny because eco-friendly, sustainable, ethical living has now in the last four or five years really become part of the like aesthetic of Instagram influencers. And I think that can be kind of intimidating. Um, you know, it looks you look like you need to have a lot of money to partake. Um, you you feel like even if you buy, even if you swap out your Ziploc, um, you know, plastic one use plastic bags for those like stash bags, which I love, um, which are like, you know, you throw them in the dishwasher. They love them. They're <laughs> so great. I mean, they're a little more yeah. expensive, but then you're not buying plastic bags. But it's like, OK, so I bought those. But then if I still am buying stuff you know, that is one use plastic. I feel like a trash bag. Um, and I feel like that would like, there would be judgment on me for that. But like, I like that brightly is just like, Hey, like how about making like just this one little tweak, like this exactly. one little change. Like I even love the idea of like next time I go, cause I love made well shoes and I love made well boots, but Nisolos solos are so similar that if that's the, that's the company that makes them ethically, like, okay, I'll just buy my next pair from there. And exactly. And it doesn't have to be like, and now I'm an Instagram influencer. And like, <laughs> I'm telling you how I, op- you know what I mean? It's just like tiny little choices 
can actually, um, you know, create like big change as, as sort of hokey as that sounds. It is true. (laughs) It's true. And I, I also think too, one of the reasons why we're really community focused and like have had such a fun time growing, like we have an ambassador program where people chat, we're going to, we're super excited about the app because that's going to give people a way to, to come together too. But like to what you just mentioned, like it can feel really lonely sometimes to be on this journey because you feel like you either have to, yeah, go that like 300% and be an influencer and like, you know, just go all into that, which like, I feel like a lot of us, we just don't have time to, nor like, do we want to? So you feel like you've got to do that or you like have to just, I don't know, like be super loud about it with your friends and family. And oftentimes like our friends and family don't share the same values that we do, right? It's all like super personal. And so one of the things we actually have a lot of um, college students who are super interested in what we're doing, which has been really fun. That makes and me a so lot happy like that a younger generation is is like yeah. really into this kind of stuff. Yeah, but a lot of times they will come to us and say, I really want to live like this, but like my family doesn't, you know, like they just don't get it. And so we then try and talk through, okay, well, what are the values that your family has and how can we kind of like map them back to living ethically and sustainably? So we just talked a lot about budget, like a lot of people's parents, like who doesn't have like the stereotypical cheap dad, right? <laughs> like, or the, or, you know, the, the parent who's driving to, you know, trying to put a bunch of kids through school yeah. and needs to save money. Like, well, then you can approach it from a, you know, from a from a budget perspective. Different generations are are different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like our parents don't see, um, don't see stuff the way that we see stuff, and we don't see stuff the way that our kids will see stuff. Um, and I think we probably have the most in common, like you said earlier, like with our grandparents who you know, were depression kids and didn't throw anything away. And now we understand that that's actually kind of a better way to live. Exactly. And then we have our parents who are like the opposite, right? The maximalists in the 80s right. and like all of the things. Um, yeah. My mother-in-law, like she, it took her many years to understand that like I am not really a things person. Like as much as I love product recommendations, mm. I like to bring things into my life that are, that I love. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I would prefer to purchase something myself or have, like we talked about somebody that's like really trusted, like a very small handful of people do it for me. Um, and like, I'm from Texas, so I'll say bless her heart. <laughs> bless her heart. Like she, you know, she, for a long time, was just like sending me things all the time and I had to be like I totally appreciate the thought behind what you're doing because I know you are just being thoughtful and you're not you know this is all coming from like a really good place in your heart but like I personally you know don't want to add a bunch of new things into my life so like can you please respect that right (laughs) she she, like finally got it right (laughs) that's so like I've never uh, see the thing is I am a stuff person yeah a also I'm not confrontational so I could never have that conversation with anybody even if it's not even I, t- I think everything is confrontational like that doesn't even sound <laughs> confrontational I'm like oh my god that's that's too confrontational for me it's literally not confrontational oh, at all um my mother-in-law is actually a very good gift giver um but my parents are very practical people um and it's not from a and it doesn't come from like a sustainable place they're just not stuff people and yeah. I think because they're not stuff people, I have become a stuff person. But I <laughs> I get a lot of joy 
finding like a good thing. I just find too many good things. I think that's my problem. <laughs> I don't need to buy all of them. Um, but I'm also very much like, well, once I find something I love, I rarely deviate. Uh, okay. So that's so interesting that you are very picky about like what you introduce into your life because I'm kind of the opposite. Like I'll bring it all in and then I'll weed it all out. Well, I mean, and there's different ways of doing it, right? Sure. And I think like, um, you know, as we all collectively downsize, because we all have a lot of stuff, like even if you try and be mindful, I mean, I don't, I think most of us have not been that way our whole lives. Right. Um, of course, we're going to have extra stuff. And so like, yeah, just being creative and being like, you know, having, I have a group text with some girlfriends and we're literally will just be like, does anybody want this like extra instant pot I have? Like why I have it? Can't tell you, but does anyone want it? And right. just like kind of like swapping stuff or using Craigslist. Like my husband's like the Craigslist king, like so always on Craigslist. And, yeah. Loves they love Craigslist it, right? and loves eBay. Like loves. Yes, the thrill of the hunt. The right? thrill like, of the hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so just using that, right? <laughs> that is really true. There's, there are also, um, you guys should all look and see if your neighborhood, especially if you live in a city, actually probably the suburbs do it too. But when I was in Brooklyn, there was a, um, like a free Facebook group. Uh, oh yeah, and it was just like, hey, like I have extra this, I have extra that. Like, here's my address. Like, come pick it up, and it was kind of amazing because it was stuff that sometimes you know you wouldn't think twice about tossing. Um, yeah. trying to think of like an example of this, like when we were moving, you know, we had to. You think you don't have a lot of stuff, and then you start opening closets oh and like looking yeah. under the bed, and you're like, oh my god, I have so much crap. But it's like you know a half. A half full box of Hanukkah candles like yeah. okay I'm not gonna pack them but am I gonna toss them and like a group like that is like perfect where it's like does anyone need Hanukkah candles and if someone wants to come over and grab them like great they get a new life somewhere else exactly um, it's taking that extra step to sort of keep the the waste down um obviously there are people who are extreme there's a friend of a friend of mine who I've only met twice, but this has stuck with me forever. Her in-laws only use one bag. They only produce one bag of trash a year. Oh my gosh. Wow. Like they're those people. Yeah. Um, and that takes a lifetime of, I think, figuring out how to operate in that way uh, before you can really start producing that little waste. But like, yeah. how amazing is that? Yeah, that's, I mean, that should absolutely be commended. I think the vast majority of us can't do that, no. but it's at the same time, it's like you can, you can observe it, you can appreciate it. And then you can say, okay, maybe there's like a few of those principles that I could bring into my right. life and right. like, just kind of rethink. I mean, one thing that we, that I do, that's like so random, but I, it does cut down on a ton of waste is so we, I'm a huge espresso girl. Mm -hmm. And so like, of course, I did like the reuse, bring my own coffee cup for a long time, although COVID, I think, is going to set that back for a while yeah. um, if you're out in public. Um, but even I noticed how much money I was spending at a coffee shop. So we were like, you know what? Let's like invest in an espresso machine. Let's save up, do it. So we did. And so now we make espressos at home. They're awesome. But I was like buying, I love like a little bit of vanilla syrup in it. And so I kept going and buying these like giant like containers of like Tarani syrup or like whatever you see at the coffee right. shop. And it's expensive. They're in these huge bottles. And then one day I was just kind of like had this light bulb moment. I was like, isn't that just simple syrup? <laughs> right? Isn't it just literally simple syrup with vanilla extract? So 
of course it is. And like you literally make simple syrup by putting a cup of water and a cup of sugar and boiling it. <laughs> and then oh. you can put some whatever you want in it, right? Yes. Like vanilla, lavender, get like creative. Um, and there you go. And so now when I run out of that syrup, I just make more and I put it in a glass jar and it goes in the fridge. Like just stuff like yes. that where you're like, duh, like why wouldn't I do this? <laughs> I, yes, I made that switch. Like I rarely buy Tupperware anymore. And yes. every pickle jar I have ever bought now houses like all of my pasta and my beans and my rice and and then I buy everything in bulk and now that I live in a a little slightly bigger space I can buy everything in bulk and then just take the jar over to where you know the pantry with all the bulk stuff and fill her up and not buy like box after box after box of pasta you know that I then have to recycle you know like I it's it's funny and also like (laughs) do you know that like baking soda or baking powder whichever one plus water just like cleans everything like you don't actually have to buy like all of these like random cleaners like the same thing with simple syrup it's like when it boils down to it you can just like mix water with like a bunch of shit that you have in your pantry and everything will be just as good as buying that big plastic jug of like bleach um yeah maybe not in corona times but in regular times where you just need things clean and you're not super worried about 99.9 percent of germs um it is kind of crazy to think about like how much stuff we buy that we either already have uh and we just have to put together um or that we could be storing in a completely different way that would just reduce so much waste Yeah, we've been like sold a bill of goods, I think, by like the collective marketing folks, you know, for many, many years, our parents were too, where it was just like, you know, after World War II, we started to get more of this sort of plastic driven life. And that's just like this whole like sort of single use, like buy all these things, specialty cleaners. I love that you bring that up because yeah, like how many freaking cleaners do we need in our house? You know, like that doesn't even make any sense. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we, we feel like we have to have all these like specialized items, even though most things can usually do at least double duty. Um, and then, yeah, like again, going back to affordability, like that is so much cheaper. You using your homemade cleaner or me making my own simple syrup, that is so much cheaper than me going out and being like, okay, um, I'm going to go buy a giant jug of Tarani syrup, which is more expensive. It caught, um, you know, it created a lot of carbon emissions getting to me, right? They had to like ship a truckload, like laundry stuff too, right? Think about like them shipping basically water, like water across the country. (laughs) Like it's just, yeah, there's just so many interesting things there to where, you could get perhaps a little bit overwhelmed. So again, like pick that value for, for some people, it might be affordability. So they're going to do it for that. For some people, it might be, um, you know, carb, they want to cut down their carbon footprint. So they do it that way. Like there's just so many really interesting ways you can think about these problems that are like personalized to you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it doesn't mean, right. And it doesn't mean you have to overload your entire life. And it doesn't mean that like you buying a reusable Ziploc makes you a perfect person and it also mean it doesn't mean that you buying a reusable Ziploc and then also buying some single use plastic for something else makes you a bad person it's just being a little bit more mindful um, exactly of what you're buying we're going to take another quick break and then we're going to come back and I can't wait to see what product you bought brought to the podcast uh, we will be imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Get right back. Okay, we're back. Laura, what did you bring? So I brought a comforter and sheet set um, from a brand that I'm obsessed with. Now, the, the the name is called Sheets and Giggles, which is hilarious. Perfect. Like, I'm such a girl. So I love that, too. <laughs> I love that. I'm looking at – is it on the web – is it on your website? Yeah, yeah. It's on our website. Um, if you go oh, into, like, see it. home, and you'll see it. Sheets um, and Giggles. Yeah, Sheets and Giggles. Cute. Um, yeah. So I think there's so many – well, there's obviously like a ton of mattress companies out there. There's like a ton of sheets companies out there too. And actually one of my friends literally texted me the other day and was like, cause she's moving. So she's kind of like in the process of like taking inventory of what she had. And she's like, oh, I'm like shopping for sheets. And I was like, oh, really? You are? She's like, yeah. I was like, okay, you've got to try these. Um, and the reason why I love them so much is like, you know, they're made ethically and sustainably, but they're made out of this material called Lyocell, um, which is, you know, it, it, it's eucalyptus. It's got all sorts of really interesting properties uh-huh. and they're so soft, like insanely soft and durable. Um, and I'm like a super hot sleeper and my husband is not. So we've always had like differences and yeah. like what type of sheets we get and all that stuff. Yeah. But um, really like it's just that I love sleeping on them. And the, the comforter too has been interesting because I'm also somebody who likes to have like a little bit of weight on me when we sleep, like not as much as like a weighted blanket because that's too much. But yeah. like I like a little bit of that. And so in the summer – I can't usually have that, so I don't love it. But this comforter is just it just breathes super well and you can literally use a comforter in the summer if you want. So it's super cool. Wow, that is so they look really, really, really comfortable. <laughs> I'm looking at the site right now. I am a um I have to be freezing when I sleep. I need the AC like at 60. Um, (laughs) yeah I know I know people like that my husband is sort of like sweaty in his sleep um and it it is it's really difficult to find something that is that works for both of us um we have Brooklyn in sheets which I really love but Lyocell sounds so interesting I actually got introduced to Lyosol like years ago, like predating Brightly. I was at an Airbnb and they were using um, a Lyosol sheet set, which was like much harder to come by back then. And to me, it was just, just such a different feel that I literally was like, I wrote the person who owned the Airbnb and was like, where are these sheets from? Like, they're that good. Like, I want to figure it out. And so it was from, I can't even remember the brand then, but they're not around anymore. But I've always been on the look for Lyocell in sheets, but they also, um, you can find denim, um, like specifically denim shirts and like things that are a bit more soft. You can actually find clothing that contains Lyocell in it too. Um, And, you know, using that type of, um, you know, 
eucalyptus um, type material is so great because it, you know, you use a lot less water when you grow eucalyptus. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's a little bit more sustainable than cotton. Like all of these really interesting things happen when you choose to use that material. And by the way, it's like extremely soft. (laughs) Wow. No, I'm reading reviews. Everyone seems to love them. This looks so this looks like an obvious choice. Now, how much do they I haven't even seen the price yet. How much do they cost? So I think let's see. Let me look at their. Let's see if we say like queen sheet set, like a hundred bucks looks like um okay. for a sheet set. Yeah, yeah. That so flat makes sheet, sense. fitted sheet, two pillowcases, like not too bad. Um, no. and then I I don't remember the comforter being too expensive either. Yeah, the comforter, queen comforter is like one hundred and thirty seven bucks. So yeah, again, I think pretty pretty affordable, all things yeah. considered, for sheets. Definitely. I I don't remember how much Brooklyn and cost, but I will check and I'll put them in the show notes. But like, yeah, sheets are one of those things that you know similar to a mattress you sleep in your bed every night like you should be comfortable um and you should like what you're sleeping on and more props to you if you found a sheet that you like that doesn't cost a hundred dollars because I want to know about that also um but yeah I think that the the idea of 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 finding of putting a lot of you know time um and thought and investment into into how you sleep um is quite beneficial uh, to the rest of your life. I think people forget how um, half of our lives we are in our beds, or hopefully, if you're getting enough sleep. Um, yeah, it's like so unglamorous it's to so spend unglamorous. a lot of money on that, right? Totally. Like, you're like, why would I do that? Like, nobody sees these. Like, who cares? But yeah, you spend so much of your time asleep. And I mean, I feel like we talked a little bit earlier about like cost per wear. Yeah. You can kind of think about this too, where like you could probably go to Target, Costco, like we've definitely used Costco sheets in the past, which depending on which ones um, have been, you know, have lasted a little bit longer than others. But like Mm -hmm. most of the time, if you're, if you're going to have like a little bit of a cheaper sheet, it's not going to last as long. And so then you end up with like, all these sheets that have like holes in them. And then you're like, what am I going to do with all these sheets? Like, I feel weird putting them in the trash, but like yes. nobody wants holy sheets. <laughs> so like, what is happening exactly. here? Right? And we'll just yeah. like, how many times do you have to go out and buy another $25 set of sheets before you've yeah. spent twice as much as what you would have spent on a good pair of sheets. And, but also the answer to the question is who wants holy sheets? Um, your local pet shelter does. Okay. Uh, so, so if you guys are ever getting rid of bedding or towels and they're not like, you can't like donate them because they're towel, you know, they're, there's like a stain on them or like whatever, like your local either vet or ASPCA um, uh, or whatever shelter uh, rescues, rescues animals would be very grateful for that donation. Um, and I learned that through a friend. And, and when we moved and we got rid of a bunch of bedding stuff, that's where we brought them and they were very grateful. So if even if it has a hole in it, it doesn't matter. It's like a soft thing for a tiny kitten or a tiny pup to sleep on. Um, oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So now I did know. not know this. Yeah. And I'm like such an animal person. So oh I love this tip. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very it, – because, you know, they see they see so many animals all the time. It it they need they need you know they need stuff like this and instead of buying it new they encourage people to bring you know their clean but like used bedding and it it makes me feel better about getting rid of stuff like that because I think there is some stat and I'm sure you know it like what percentage of landfills are just like textiles 
Um, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I do know that it's quite a lot. Um, it's like thirty percent. I, like I was about to say I want my what I was coming to mind was about twenty five percent. So I think you and I were kind of circling around the same number. We definitely should look it up. Um, yeah. But yes, you'd be insanely surprised at yes textile waste and like thinking through like really creative ways to reuse that stuff once yes. you can't use it anymore. Like donating, I think is great. We also have used. Um, we have a few dogs and like what I'll do is I'll take um, shirts and things that I can't wear that can't be donated and I'll use that to like stuff their beds. So yes. that makes sense alongside like what you had mentioned about the donation. Totally. It's just like, yeah. How can you rather than putting it in the trash? Because I think we have all become conditioned to like out of sight, out of mind. Like, right. can this be recycled? I don't know. I'm going to put it in there anyway. Or like, you know, where's this trash going? Nah, you know, I don't really want to go look at that. Yep. It's sad, but I'm just going to not think about it. Um, you know, so th- the less we actually throw away, the better. So yeah, being creative, um, u- utilizing that curiosity and that creativity that we all have and like, you know, giving yourself a pat on the back when you're able to do that. Cause Hey, like that's a big deal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally guilty of that sometimes. Like, you know, just throw oh, so the- am I. I mean, Everyone everybody is. is right. You yeah. throw the thing in the trash and then you're like, Oh, it disappeared. But like it didn't. And look at any picture of a landfill and you will feel like you want to throw up. Um, I just Googled in 2017, 11.2 million tons of textile waste ended up in landfills. Um, according to data from the EPA, According to the World Resources Institute, it takes 2,700 liters of water to make one cotton shirt, and textiles can take up to 200 years to decompose in landfills. So, like, fast fashion, all of this stuff ends up, you know, the T-shirt you wear twice, and then it, like, just starts disintegrating in the laundry, um, and then you end up tossing it. You know, this stuff ends up in... Ugh, I mean, if you want to feel bad about everything, just Google clothes in landfills because the pictures oh are really, God. really scary. Um, but there's also programs that do textile recycling and H&M has one of those um, or they yes, did. They do. But you yeah. can bring in, you know, any clothes that you can't give to Goodwill or that you can't, you know, sell on Poshmark or sell it like a Buffalo Exchange type place. Um, H&M will take doesn't have to be H&M clothing either. H&M will take your your textiles and recycle them and that's like another little thing that you can do too and if you end up buying a ziploc bag but you can recycle um you know your bedding or that shirt from forever 21 that you don't wear anymore like those are good things that you're doing you know we are not all good and we are not all bad and i think it is just about making those little changes oh my god i need to click out of these pictures of clothes and landfills it's making (laughs) yeah it's making me so upset it's it's crazy and like you you know in that um statistic you read it's right like the the cotton um the water usage we don't think about that as much but like cotton is super water intensive um, to grow and so even if if it's organic same thing right that's not going to cut down on the the water um and so you know things like lyocell or like using textiles that use less water that are able to be um you know bamboo is another really great one like there's so many really interesting um new textiles out there so yeah you can nerd out about that all day long and yeah i mean you know and before you buy a piece of clothing just make sure you really like it like how many things do we buy because we're like eh, i'm kind of sick of shopping today like this looks okay i think i'll I'll deal with it or yeah i don't know we just like have this like need to buy it right then and then you get home and you're like 
Mm, I don't really like this that much. You oh, wear it like twice, that's right? That's me a hundred percent. I mean, like I, I have to, I should be like in intensive therapy for <laughs> the way that I shop for clothing. I've actually brought it up in therapy before. I have very strange habits. I'm not even going to get into them here because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this is, you know, when we reach like the hundredth episode of G thinks I will divulge my weird shopping for clothes secrets. But like, yeah, I think that we do, there is this, you know, more, 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 we need more 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 mentality obviously that American capitalism and consumerism has pushed upon us that I think we have actually um and very kind of luckily in this pandemic have been able to take a step back from a little bit um because we have been sitting still uh you know things obviously are ramping back up a little bit it's the summer I don't know why they're ramping back up cases are still going up but Nordstrom's open so do with that information what you will but you know for March and April and May like I didn't even go into my closet you know I have I have clothes hanging wall to wall you know in my closet but I was wearing the same leggings and t-shirt or pajamas um, or like maybe jeans just to make sure I could still get them on and like a tank top thinking like, why do I have all this stuff? Yeah. Like, why do I have all these clothes? Like I have not put on anything in my closet in like three months. And yes, it's also because I'm not going anywhere, but it, it also sort of, um, makes me look at the way that when I go into a store and pick up sort of mindlessly, like a shirt, a dress, you know, uh, a pair of pants to add to my shirt, dress and pants collections, not thinking like, you know, is are these jeans similar to the other jeans that I have? Like, what makes them different? And why do I think I need them? Or, you know, did I try on this shirt? Do I think it fits fine? Or do I actually really like it? Because what will happen is like two weeks later, I'll put it on and like the thing that like, kind of was making me not love it, but it was fine in the dressing room is the reason I won't wear it out of the house. And now it's just a shirt that sits in my closet and like does no one good. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of things that we can think about in terms of the way that we consume and how we consume and all of this can lead back and and feed into I think our our like kind of reckoning with our privilege and uh, and the anti-racist work I think a lot of people are committing to right now um, because it it is all a part of it Um, and it is so refreshing to be able to log on to Brightly though my wallet is not refreshed um (laughs) but to to be able to to see everything and know that like all of this stuff is has been vetted and is sustainable um it makes me feel less bad about maybe the like not super um eco-conscious decisions that I'm making yeah no I um I appreciate the support I mean like I said we are just here to be resources for people we're also here to have you know a community of others so if you're interested in joining us like check us out there's all sorts of really interesting ways to get involved but um yeah I mean I think I love that you've tied it back to what's currently going on in the world I mean I think the more that we can just take a step back and be mindful about everything and you know you don't have to do it all at once you don't have to overwhelm yourself but just like being super mindful about like what comes out of your mouth <laughs> or like what what you're doing today yeah. and just like thinking about okay you know why have I done this and I yeah I, I think in general 
we always like to say our top tip for people who want to live um, ethically and sustainably, our number one tip is buy less, which again is counterintuitive to you know, <laughs> having a site that recommends products or a podcast yes. or whatever. But it's like just thinking about what you what you're going to purchase before you do it yes. and like imposing, you know, you've heard of people that do those like uh, two week rules or whatever, right, where like, like capsules. That's where right. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, whatever framework, whatever like uh, trick works for you best. I love capsule wardrobes. I actually have done them a few times. Currently, we're all doing them when our sweatpants are our COVID yeah. capsule. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't plan it, but I've been in a capsule for quite a long time. That's right. It's, so, yeah, we, we've all kind of done it now. You see that it can be done. Yes, you're right. We're not going out to see people as much. But, yeah, just like really loving what you have in your home and taking and care of it yeah for sure I think there's something yeah I mean and and I'm I'm glad that you recognize that in G thanks also just because you know we're not I mean I want I want to become more um sustainable uh I want to recommend more sustainable products and become more focused on that but I think in the beginning when Dory and Kate announced that they were going to that I was going to launch this podcast with them. Um, a lot of people were like, do we really need a podcast about buying stuff? And, you know, I didn't fight it at the time because obviously that's what it sounds like, but I'm always really happy to hear when listeners are like, actually, you're not telling us to buy stuff. You're telling us that like, if we are in the market for this specific thing, like, here's what we should think about, you know, when we're buying it or like, here's the thing that you should buy if you're looking for X, Y, and Z. Um, and I do try to bring a lot of thought to to those products. Uh, and now I want to take it one step further and introduce this idea of making it a little bit more eco-friendly, sustainable, and ethical for sure. Um, do you have a concrete like action item you can give all of us? Like I am like we'd uh, my husband is a lot better at this than I am. Um, and I think it's just because of how we grew up. You know, you you do it's if we're talking about unlearning, you know, part of the unlearning is also sort of getting yourself out of these habits that you learned yep. in the 90s. Right. And the 80s, the the years of maximalism. Um and being a maxinista. Uh, yeah. And, and <laughs> so is there anything that for like kind of the new, the uninitiated, the afraid, um, the non-crunchy uh, of us who, yes. who want to do just who want to make one small change? You know, where do you suggest people start? Yeah. So I just tell everyone, in addition to buying less, which sounds nice, but oftentimes you can't do that. For sure. My main my main tip is just to be curious. So before you make that purchase, see if you can do a little bit of research into who made it or where it's coming from. Um, you know, look at resources like Brightly, like all the other things online to like kind of help you understand a little bit more about it. But be curious. And then once you've kind of figured it out, tell other people about it. Because if you can take this curiosity and kind of unlock it for yourself, but then unlock it in yes. just your friends or family, um, that is also really powerful. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've, if you've bought something that's really beautiful that lives in your home, um, we have a bunch of really beautiful artisan made home goods that we, you know, we recommend them brightly, but I've got them all in my home. And when people come in and they say, oh my gosh, I love this vase that you have. Um, I don't just say thanks. It's great. Or I don't even just say like, right. thanks. I found it on Brightly. I say, 
thanks. Um, I found it on Brightly and it comes like, here's the story around like why I picked it and where it comes from. And if you can kind of unlock that, I mean, everyone loves a good story. And so just making it about that. To that. Yeah. Which is a thing you do not feel when you shop on Amazon. I'm sorry. Like I love finding a weird thing on Amazon. Obviously that's what this podcast is sort of built around, but like, I don't feel emotional about it. Um, and, but I would, I, I, I love stories of brands. I love how people, um, create and, and are able to sort of like sustain life off of their their art or their material um and I felt this the other day you know so many people are sharing you know black owned businesses and black owned um I went through a list of black owned Etsy uh shops oh yeah and found like a lilac cake platter have made maybe three cakes in my life and it was like glass blown like handmade cake platter and I was like I don't think I'll be able to live without this in my house I haven't bought it yet because I know that I don't make cake. But like I saw it and I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like to feel so strongly about, you know, someone's like work or someone's product and you know that it is, you know, supporting uh, the place where you say that you care about or that you say that you want to to help lift up, you know, like that's like an extra bonus for you as the consumer, you know, to be able to look at something like that and be like, wow, I get something out of this. Exactly. Yeah, we also just did um, a Black-owned business uh, roundup on Brightly that highlights ethical and sustainable businesses. So that's another um, good resource. But yeah, I mean, like wherever you can find um, the information that you need and the, you know, just the overall, um, yeah, the the information that you you, want to use, like just do it. I love it so much. I am going to look at everything on Brightly, but I'm going to hide my credit card <laughs> from I've I have had to actively you know how like sometimes they'll auto save your info so oh you can, yes I I don't do that oh no yeah, I, that's I a can't. good tip actually <laughs> yeah that's take a good it tip. off your phone <laughs> I like would like I literally like sleep shop like I will like I have ordered <laughs> things like in a in a like 70 percent asleep Same. stupor yeah I've um, done it too <laughs> <laughs> Laura Wittig this was so great I have to have you back um I want to do more of this on G thanks I think it is amazing that you were so early to this game and Brightly is so beautiful I'm still on the site we're going to link out to everything um that we talked about today on the podcast in the show notes and um, especially go over to Brightly and visit because there is something for everyone. All of the products have been vetted. Uh, Laura is basically living my dream life, um, getting to do all of these different product recommendations. And the good news is you can feel very good about all of them. Laura, thank you so, so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Caroline. This is great. All right, everybody, you can follow. Actually, Laura, tell everyone where they can follow Brightly, like on social media. For sure. So um, we are, uh, our website is brightly.eco. Yes. So that's, that's how you find us. Um, and you can find us that way on social. So if you just start typing in Brightly, you'll see us come up. Um, most of the time we're brightly.eco with the exception of Twitter, where I think there's no dot awesome. because you can't have a dot, but you know. <laughs> you, know you know what? They should really bring that in. You know, they, they should. We didn't need 200. Please. Yeah, exactly. We didn't need 280 <laughs> characters. We needed 
the periods in our usernames. And you can follow G Thanks Just Spotted on Instagram at G Thanks Just Spotted Pod. And you can email me, Caroline at G Thanks Just Spotted.com. If you have a recommendation or you want to talk about anything that you heard about on the show, and especially if you bought anything that you heard about on the show, I want to hear what you think. Um, and Laura, we will have you back. Absolutely. We should make this like an event. Uh, and yes, and let's I do it. will challenge everybody to to be curious, um, just like Laura said, about, you know, the ways that you can you can switch up your routine and 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 the ways that you consume. And we will see all of you guys next Friday for another episode. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, my God. This was wonderful. Yeah, I had it was such a great time.